This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the One Was Had a Dream podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Finch and I am joined again by Danny Baker. Uh, and we will be speaking to Charlie Talbot, who is a member of the Don's Trust Board. Uh, Danny, how are we today? You good? Yes, mate. I'm absolutely wicked. I've been watching the Winter Olympics, right? I don't know if you have you been watching any of it? Not much. I've been work, I've literally worked literally all the time at the moment. But yeah, oh, I've I watched bits. Mate. I don't really like it. Pull over and watch don't, the curling, right? Don't see the point it's, of it. I'll tell you what I have seen. I was going to show the boys at school today. There's this woman called Lady Jacob Ellis. Have you heard her yet? She basically does the snowboard, right? Four of them go down the snowboard track and it's a race. And whoever wins a race, wins a race. And she was basically 16, I think it was, or 18. Absolutely gun. She's flowing down the, the, the track. And this is what, 2006 in Turin. Last jump, cruising it, does some sort of freestyle, wherever it is. Stacks it, comes second. Never got to a final since, right? And she's in the final this year. And she literally just nicked the gold. And we're trying to work. And the question was, in football, what is the what is the most similar event to someone completely showboating and cocking it up? And the only thing I could think of in football was that Arsenal penalty. Do you remember? Yeah, when, when they both Pure, run up, one touched it and one didn't. Yeah, but Pure, any, Can you think of anything where it was like showboating went horrendously wrong? Not, really, the only, not with Dons anyway. We never showboat. You've got to get the ball really. first. No, the only one I can think of is, is pre-season, Mario Balotelli, when he went to do the little flick when he's yes, in front of goal. Yes. And then, uh, who is it? Perigate? No, not Perigate. Uh, Mancini at the time went Mancini. absolutely ballistic and subbed him off. But yeah, I can't remember. But I, I don't get the I, uh, some of the uh, Winter Olympics. Some of them are not sports. Like, when are you going to be going skiing and then you have to shoot things as well as a sport and stuff? Like, hey, I don't, I, hey, like, I, I like up into Croydon when it's snowing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> but yeah, I just don't, I don't get a lot of it. Like, the curling is just ridiculous. Who come up with curling? Who thought, yeah, this is going to be a great sport? Like, 
Well, they just put it went to the bowls club and thought it's a bit, it's a bit. You icy. know why? You know what it is? It's the Scottish. The Scottish are not very good at anything, so they come up with a sport that they could play and be good at. Well, all the rugby it. fans out there are going to hate us. But no, yeah. that's what I've literally been doing. I've been waking up four in the morning, watching the Olympics, feeding Bubby. It's been, uh, yeah, an interesting experience getting away from the Dons, shall we say? Well, brilliant. Well, let's get uh, our guest on tonight, uh, and we're going to be discussing the games that we've just played against Charlton and. Uh, Rotherham, and then we'll be putting some questions to Charlie. But yeah, let's get him on. Charlie Talbot, thanks very much for joining us. How are you? I'm very good. Good evening. Good evening. Have you been we're watching the... Olympics, Charlie, yeah. a fan? Not a fan. I've been watching, I've been, been, been watching quite a bit. Yeah, I enjoyed the yes. uh, Lindsay Jacobellis redemption story. Uh, that was I, great, wasn't it? Yeah. The Deleuze relay today was <laughs> the most bonkers thing you're ever going to see. Deleuze yeah. double is a really weird one, isn't it? So one guy goes down on a tray, okay... And then basically the same guy goes down on the tray again, but someone else is lying on top of it. It's like, <laughs> when they came up with that, I don't know what was... They uh, must be like, look, we need one more event. What can we yeah. do? Right, OK, you know the guy on the tray? Yeah. Let's get some bloke on top of him and go. Just go. What? Do what? Just go. <laughs> so this is what we're talking about. There's sports where they've just literally got a cooking tray and gone, let's see how fast we can go down that icy hill. And then they go, brilliant, we'll put that in the Winter Olympics. It's just mad, isn't it? Mum, get rid of them roasties. I need that tray. Like, what are you doing? But yeah, madness. Right, anyway, let's uh, let's talk about Charlton. If we start with Charlton, uh, for me, it was a much improved performance. Cosgrove, I think, offered us a lot more uh, than the previous three games that we needed. Uh, I thought we played well, but yeah, just disappointing to concede the goals that we conceded. Charlie, anything? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd agree with all of that. The only thing I would say is I saw a load of people going mental and going, oh, we've bloody conceded from corners again. We've actually conceded virtually no goals from set pieces all season. I mean, it was kind of annoying to to basically give three away largely from set pieces, as Robbo said afterwards, but that has actually been very rare. Um, we haven't scored as many from set pieces until recently either, I suppose. Ben came good with one there, but it was an annoying time to break that streak because otherwise we've actually looked very solid at them. But yeah, there were lots that was much better about it. And I think it went in the category, and I'm, I'm sure the, the Robert and the players probably think the same, of if we'd pulled half of that out against a couple of the lesser teams, we would have turned one of those draws into wins. But it's it was so frustrating, another it? frustrating afternoon. It's so frustrating. We kind of, you know, from, from that Boreham Wood game, as we said last week, each week we're kind of getting just a little bit, in my opinion, we're just showing little small improvements all the time. Great to have sort of Chislett again. Uh, we, I think we missed him on Tuesday. He seems to really hit a purple patch, which is great. Um, it's, it's just, it was good to see Cos, Cosgrove, I've got to get that right, putting it about. And I actually think he's going to be a relatively uh, astute signing. I think he will do a decent job for us. It's just so frustrating, like you said. Had that This is why football is such a fickle beast, is that that performance against Morecambe wins. And actually, and it's just that it's so frustrating to you've got to marry up the performance with the teams and to score two goals and to still not quite do enough when we created you know some good chances. It's just a yeah, it's it's just a real shame, a bit of a gutter. But at least we're at least we're moving performance wise in the right direction. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about Chislett. For me, he just looks uh, fully fit. He looks like he's got a little bit of edge on him now. He's got that little bit of pace. He looks quicker. Looks like he's getting in amongst it. His, his play is, yeah, he's, he's a step ahead of McCormick for me at the moment. Uh, one thing that disappointed me with guys at Charlton was I think that their guy should have been sent off. That uh, was a he, terrible tackle, by the way. Absolute awful tackle on Marsh. And then literally, what, five minutes later, he sets up the goal to for them to go 2-1 up. But 
you look at Charlton's team, they've got people like Connor Washington playing from Mills QBR the other year who is on massive money. You look through their team, they've just got, they're spending big, big money. And I was quite glad that we were competing with them, to be fair. It's also yeah. a killer. It's also a killer with Dobbo, isn't it? Like we would have been, we would have loved him and player of the year for them, apparently. It sort of uh, just shows you, isn't it, the sliding doors. I was I was going to say say Dobbo, yeah, because it, it, again, it's an interesting it's stages of players' careers, isn't it? Because at the point when he left Sunderland, people have gone, oh, he, he can't do it. Came into us to rebuild, totally rebuilt his reputation with us, and yeah, looked again, looked absolute quality for them. So that's what I'm hoping Cosgrove's going to bring now. Because as I said, uh, I tweeted saying if we get the Aberdeen Cosgrove, then we'll stay up because uh, yeah. Aberdeen he was unplayable in some games. Uh, I see him play against Rangers a few times, and he was just he just give him a horrid time. Uh, if we get the Birmingham or Shrewsbury Cosgrove, then unfortunately we are going to struggle. And I'm hoping that it'll be the Dobson effect that he's come down to prove a point. He's got something to prove now. He's got to say to look Shrewsbury, look, this is what you could have had, and hopefully they'll go down instead. But hopefully, yeah, we're going to be getting a player who really thinks, right, well, this is my end. This is my last chance. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he, he feels at home. Particularly with the loans as well. You always think you're going to get like one player. And again, I know people talk a lot about the loans and we've spoken a little bit about how we've lacked a little bit of, uh, I think we've, we've gone a little bit too inexperienced. We've lacked a little bit of experience and possibly a bit of quality on it. But you're just that interesting. We've always had that one player who's either a bit older, who's looking to get back into a team to, to boost them off. Almost like the launch pad. Um, and we've only, we've only, we've waited to the end of the window to get Cosgrove who could do that. Just shows you, you know, Dobson had that and really, really kicked on. Trot was there before. It just, it's an interesting, it's an, it was an interesting window and I'm just, I'm desperate that if Cosgrove can hit anything and not even goals total, just the way that he interacts and brings play together and the way that we work or, Frankly, the way that maybe having him, we he's a bit. He looks a bit more dynamic, um, and looks like he can bring players in, particularly winning flick-ons. If it does allow us to have the variety to play the different formations, then I think, like I said, I think it's a it's a great signing. And, and Charlton was definitely another very small step towards getting closer to where we need to be. But you just it's so difficult being a Don's fan at times because I just I watch us and I just I don't know where our wins are going to come from. I just want well, to gain. I think it's run. always you, you've got to. I mean, when you end up on a run, quite a long run without a win, you obviously you start looking back and slightly seeing things that weren't there. Because to stay the obvious, if you've got that many games without a win, the, the first couple weren't bothering you in the same way. And by yeah. the end of it, you, you've started to started to try and believe trends across the whole lot that maybe aren't correct. Um, I, I think it's a cliche, but it's true. There were definite elements of, of, of bad luck around this run as well. I mean, the bit at the beginning, I think you can't overstate how bad it was for our preparation to have that long without a game, but yeah. equally at no point to know that. And I've spoken to, I mean, as you, you probably, Woody was in your way and at Charlton, so I was chatting with, with Woody and I know this from talking to Robbo as well. The big issue there is if you know you've got 18 days off, you obviously change all your training and your fitness and everything around it. But we didn't know that. We thought we had a game tomorrow, twice, that wasn't. And then I think finally for the Plymouth one, they at least got a couple of days notice. Now, that you could really see the effect of that at Oxford. Oxford was, a, I think, arguably an aberration. And then after that, have, there are obviously then frustrations in each of the games after that. But if you go back to the two games before that break, at Wickham and Accrington, particularly Wickham, actually, we we were much the better side at Wickham, so that has that that shouldn't logically have disappeared. We should be able to get that back again. And 
different aspects of that have been missing in each game. So no one's yeah. it's massively frustrating, obviously, but there's still enough to look at to make you think that there's still eight. We're 85 to 90 percent of the way there, but that last 10 to 15 percent is annoyingly quite important at League One. Yeah, the couple of things that annoy me though is that the 18 days off. It looks like we've we we've gone and said I'll just have 18 days off. It doesn't look like, especially when we come back, Oxford, as we said, Oxford, we just got obliterated really against a decent side. Uh, and it, yeah, it's just, and the other thing was Cosgrove coming in so late. If we could have done with him in them three winnable games that we had against Shrewsbury, Morecambe and Cheltenham. And that's what the most frustrating thing for me is that we didn't get a decent striker as soon as Palmer was off and that we could have had him in because it looked different against Cholton straight away. It looked like, boom. Totally agree. I think everyone would agree with that, including the, the pan and everything else. But sometimes you're a bit constrained by the situation you're working in. And clearly you were never going to be able to turn something around between the, the decision and, and the, the Tuesday game. Um, and, you know, absolutely everyone was working very hard to, to solve it as, as quickly as they could and to look through the players and the options. But we couldn't get one done on the Friday. And then by the time we could get it confirmed on the, on the Monday, yeah, I mean, I think everyone would share that frustration, but that's kind of where we're at. I think yeah. everyone would say it was, you know, one game would have been fine. Three games was was pretty annoying. And I, I don't think anyone would disagree, including everyone involved. But these are unfortunately some of the constraints of working with it through the window and everything else. And we can, you know, come on to other bits later. But I think that's just what we're... Uh, that's slightly how January works. It's something else we've got to part with. And I think we ended that period with that. And obviously we started it with the, with the days. I, I think actually the reverse is true. If we, if we told people to go and take 18 days off, they would have actually looked better because they would have had their training centre to come back and hit the ground running at the end of it. And the reverse was actually, if you think you've got a game in two days time and then you've got a game tomorrow, you're, you're tailing off in your preparation in order to go and have the, you know, the hard session of the game. And then the game got cancelled. So they, they weren't up to match fitness in the way that they would have been if they'd known they had the 18-day break. Charlie, quick question for you, obviously. Where, where do you, what, what do you think about us at the moment? Are you, are you feeling optimistic? Are you feeling quite comfortable? Uh, as a fan, I mean, not anything else. Do, do you feel <laughs> we've got what it takes to, to kick I mean, on and get out of it? What, what are you thinking? I've been a Wimbledon fan for 32 years, so optimism is not really my default, um, <laughs> my default outlook. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's 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 been a frustrating month for sure. I think you know, the results are frustrating. I, I when I look at what we've got and how we're playing and what we're capable of, I don't see that we are one of the four worst teams in the league. Uh, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Um, and you know the stats. If you actually if you go through you know the more kind of detailed stats, you go through. If I mention XG, I don't know what Lee's going to do if he's going to try and throw something through a computer screen but if you but if you look at the more detailed stats of the games which are, i think are useful to try and gauge if you know you're deluded and, and if it matches the eye test they're quite clear <laughs> there's our kind of bands of performance and we are lumped in with the teams in the positions just above us so we are underperforming a little bit what the, where the stats say we should be which kind of feels sort of trivially obvious because yeah. we all know because we've been at them if we've beaten two of those weaker teams at home that's four more points and we're not really that worried if we turn three of those games into wins, we're not even having this conversation and we were all going, oh, it's a good season. We're developing this, we're developing that. So the margin in that sense, are, it's only one or, you know, one or two goals in those games. The margins are quite fine yeah. based on everything else that we've said. I believe, well, no, I, per I personally both believe, partly because I've been involved in part of it, but just by watching, a lot of what we're doing is, is demonstrably 
uh, better than it has been and is part of a clearer plan than we've had. And I can absolutely see, you know, the Robo process. I can exactly see what we're trying to do. It's extremely frustrating. We haven't got two or three more wins to, uh, to, to make this feel like a discussion we don't need to be having. Uh, yeah, I get your point. I know obviously the deluded comment was probably at me, Charlie, because <laughs> I get that quite a lot, to be fair. I, so. I would have thought so, Lee, yes. <laughs> I thought so, yeah. But uh, regards to the, the start and the processes and stuff, the problem with football, and, and I'm, I'm very fickle and very... It's a results business. And unfortunately, we're not getting the results to keep the fans happy. And uh, me and Danny have both commented previously that some of the games... Are definitely not entertaining. They're, they're quite like the diet, like the Rotherham game. We'll, we'll go on to the Rotherham game. I don't, we, we had one shot on target in the first half, didn't have another shot. I know we're playing one of the best teams in the league, but we didn't, we didn't even lay a glove on them, which is not something that I want to see from a Wimbledon side. But also at the same time, I don't think anybody watching or looking at it, there was, and I've said this all year, there's, it, was, it was not for the, for the want of trying. Those guys put a shift in. That to a man, we we worked hard, we did what we could. Every time they had a set piece, I thought they were going to score. And it, it, the frustration for me in particular, the gulf between the two sides, is every time they had a set piece, we looked under the cosh. We just couldn't quite get our set pieces sorted. But it is one of those, it is that culture that Robbo's trying to install about younger players and, and the way we want to be fast and dynamic. But in League One, the successful teams, they're big, they're nasty, they're aggressive. They, it's just, it's such a contrary to what has been a blueprint to get out of or be successful in League One slash League Two. And that's why it's sort of, it is, for me, a concern. But the one thing that we've yet to get is momentum. We uh, Momentum is huge, I, I think, in football. And I think that w- we've had a bit of a bad run. We got some momentum. We lost it because of all this break. If we can get a win or get some positive movement, I, I feel like we've got enough. Well, I think there's four worse teams than us, put it that way. I do think we've, we've got enough quality players when they're playing well to make sure we're not in the bottom four. Um, but ultimately, we all knew that Rotherham wasn't, definitely wasn't a game that was going to decide whether we stay up or not. It was just so annoying how easy it was. It was just like, we worked hard, we grafted. I'm literally in the south stand. I can see the pass. I can see Nightingale, I can see Guinness Walker, it's a straight through cross goal. And after that, the game was kind of dead and we kind of huffed and puffed and got nowhere. And it was just that, it's, it was that difficult thing when, I hate it when you as a football fan, sometimes you turn up and you know, it's almost like you know you're going to lose. And it was just that, it would be great, I put it on today, I was like, it'd be great to go to a game and genuinely feel that all three options are on the table. But it seems but to you be, thought that against the weaker teams, that's why you were annoyed we didn't win. You know, the, yeah. the, the reason why you're ultimately, and I don't think any of us were that annoyed by Tuesday, because as you say, I mean, how annoyed can you be at losing 1-0 to demonstrably the best team in the league by a distance? The reason why I know you thought all three results were possible before we went to play, you know, Morecambe and Cheltenham at home is because you were annoyed when we didn't win. So yeah. we, we all knew that was possible. It was possible in all of them. I mean, in all of them, we looked the more likely team to win towards the end of those games. We had some bad spells in those games. We had some good spells in those games. We'd like the good spells to be longer. But um, maybe I'm deluded, but I, I feel like you. I feel like there is, there is, we are demonstrably trying to do something different. That's, that's clearly true. Um, we have spent uh, a, a couple of years of our sort of five years staying in this league. We, we have spent a fair amount of time 
sort of trying to do what everyone else does, but not quite as well, because you know we we don't have the quite the same level of you know um, big organised physical side to go and score the goals from set pieces and not make any mistakes. Um, we have battled very hard at times, you know. I mean, yeah, you think like the, the Luton away game under Wally era and things like that. So battling is a it should be a given and it is a given. Uh, I mean, going all the way back to when Dave Anderson was manager, Dave used to say, not incorrectly, fans often shout about wanting to see more passion because it's kind of something that they think they can spot, but it's very rarely the difference because very few teams don't care. You can see it every so often. A couple of there was definitely an away team that came to our place last year who'd given up. Um, but it doesn't actually happen that often, um, and and I I I think I think it's I hope it's clear what we're we you know what what Robbo's trying to do and where we're we're trying to get to. I I think it is, but I'm absolutely I don't think anyone, including Robbo, thinks that you know that that fans enjoy losing games because of course they don't. But I think there are ways and ways of losing games, and actually one of our challenges as a club and a fan base is is to kind of say, OK, we can see what's going on here. We appreciate what's going on, which I think by and large has been happening. I mean, certainly the, the last home game, like the, the South Stand didn't stop singing all the way through the game, right? And and when I, I spoke to Robbo after that, it was the first thing he said, you know I mean? So I think I think there's people can, I think I believe we can see where, where we're trying to get to. Now, you know, would some people rather that we manage to have another three million quid in the wage budget to go and buy Rotherham's team, maybe they would, but I don't think that's a plausible ambition. And in those on those grounds, I like where we're trying to get to, but it would be nice if we won a couple more games soon. Godly. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there, Joe. Like regards to the budget kind of stuff, we could go out and spend a billion pounds and we might not still get the players in. This is what always winds me up about the budget because everyone thinks that getting a bigger budget will help us straight away. But it ain't. If you look at Salford in the league below, they're struggling most seasons and they're spending fortunes of money. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm always gone on about how I support Wimbledon FC and I, I miss them days and loved them. We never had a huge budget at Wimbledon. Uh, we always got the best players, the youngest players and got players in from lower leagues. One of the most frustrating things that I find though, like against Rob before Rotherham, was where we have an interview with Rob Toovey, and I love Rob Toovey. I've spoke to him many times. He's always been a Wimbledon fan. I remember him supporting us during the CCL days with his dad. And he says, we've got to take the game to them. And that was one of the comments, we're going to take the game to Rotherham. But we didn't. We changed our formation, which meant that we uh, went ultra-defensive to then worry about what Rotherham was going to do. And that goes against what we've been told, we're going to take the game again to them. Uh, we're, we've got these processes. We're not going to worry about the other team. And I know we're playing Rotherham, the best team in the league. So if we lose 5-0 or we lose 1-0, I, I, to me, I just want to see us take the game to them. But I don't. I didn't see that on Tuesday. And it's just like sometimes just don't say stuff that then gets the fans annoyed or frustrated. Um, I mean, yeah, but maybe. But I, 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 to be honest with you, I, I think that we, we, we tried to take the game to Rotherham as much as we could. Rotherham are really very good. <laughs> I think Rotherham's shape and structure without the ball is is not by far the best in the league by an absolute mile, um, and uh, it's very very hard to take the game to them. I, I don't think that was for lack of wanting to do it or even lack of trying to do it. I, I kind of think if you're going to start, you know, analysing where we sit in League One, it, it's 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 probably a bit of a waste of time looking at the two Rotherham games because I thought Roth Rotherham actually looked just totally comfortable in this game when we played them at, at their place and they absolutely tore us apart. So, you know, by in that sense, there was definitely some progress and we, to be fair, we created more <laughs> than we did away. So I, I, I'm not sure it's, um, 
I, I know I know I understand what you're saying about the idea of going, well, do do we always match up with what we say we're going to do? Is there sometimes a disconnect in that? I I, I can see that, but you know, I, I don't think Rob or Rob, uh, so Robbo or Rob are in the habit of, of saying things because they think it's what people want to hear. They're saying it because it's what they're, they're trying to do. If it happens or not is a different point. But, you know, I, I don't think anyone would have gone home more frustrated or annoyed than uh, Robbo and Rob and the players did. And then last point, and then we'll have to move I would on. say that the word for me was frustrated. I think, I think you said it, Charlie, not disappointed. Normally when you're disappointed, you kind of have a regret or it didn't quite match up. It was just frustrating watching us. I was actually talking to the guys at work about if you give it all your best and it's just whatever you do, it's just not quite good enough. Is that more annoying than if you were good enough, but you didn't take the points? And that was a difference for me on, on anything on that Tuesday. It was just, we were waiting and we were, we said it all behind the South stand. We said, we knew at half time. It will keep it tight. will be difficult to beat. And then there'll be a, a mistake or something will happen. It'll be one nil and we won't be able to chase it. And it was just frustrating that it went to plan, but I don't think it was a particularly terrible result. I thought one nil was fair. I think two nil was probably fair against a team that were ultimately very, very, very good, very organised. It is a very, again, another very, very small step towards probably the form that I feel that we need to be. But it's a, again, and we were very fortunate with the results that that went our way. Just it's now building up to Sunderland, Bolton, Gillingham. It's now becoming more each game. The pressure gets ramped up, and it's just this young squad with the. We've spoken about, you know, what we're talking about being resilient and being brave. We're gonna, we're gonna need it. I agree. I, I think we move on there because we've uh, been going on about the two games quite some time, and we we have some questions for Charlie, and Charlie wants to talk to us. So we'll move on, and then when we come back, we'll we'll be speaking more to Charlie Talbot. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. back and we're going to be discussing more stuff uh, with Charlie Talbot and asking him some questions. Uh, first off, I do want to say well done for to the Don's Trust. I think it's 20 years now the Don's Trust and Don's Trust board have been going, which is, to be fair, a great success for a fan-owned club to then go back to Plough Lane and get our own ground as well as fan-owned. I know not everyone is on the fan-owned train or the investment train and stuff like that, which we'll talk about in a minute, but Got to say, it's, it is brilliant that we've been 20 years of Don's Trust. Uh, and uh, yeah, go on, Dan. Just a quick question for you, Charlie, actually, to start it all off. Just talking about that, and, and like I said, there's no agenda. Why do you think, we're talking about the fan base engagement of Don's Trust. Why do you, is there anything or any reasons that you feel that not, there aren't as many people entering the Don's Trust? I mean, I, I spoke to you before. I generally didn't have a reason why I wasn't part of the Don's Trust, but I wasn't. I know I've signed up for it. What, what, what's your take on membership? Are you happy with Actually, it? We've think- got, first of all, we've got more members now than we've ever had. We've got 4,600 members now. Now, I mean, yeah. you could argue that we've now got more fans at games than yeah. we've ever had. But but actually, uh, we, we membership has gone up. Um certainly over the last couple of years. And interestingly, if you're going to, once you start looking at, where do you think the future of the club could go and other things? The, the membership have probably dropped to its lowest level just before November 2019 with the whole, OK, you know, this is all going horribly wrong. We're going to sell the club. And that, that actually galvanised a lot of people, myself included, to get back involved more. And also membership has gone up quite a lot since then. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, members of the trust 
uh, for whom that is obviously one of their, their primary drivers in rejoining was yeah. um, to uh, try and defend the principles of being fan owned. Now we can move on to that in more detail because I think around the principle of being fan owned, um, there are plenty of other things you can be doing. One of the biggest frustrations I have listening sometimes to this debate is this idea that we should either be fan owned or profitable and invested in. And the answer is no. The answer is that's just a ridiculous question. We should be both. And it's perfectly possible to be both. Um, we are, we have, we have improved our chances of being both. I mean, obviously, the, the, what we've achieved in the last 20 years is absolutely bonkers. If anyone had said back then what we'd achieved, we'd have all said they were mad. I remember that meeting at which we said we were going to get our league place back inside 10 years. And I was one of the people in the room that said, don't write that down, we'll look ridiculous. I, I thought I would be an old man, you know, telling my children stories of the Premier League days and we'd be a non-league club and, you know, the, the kind of just, you know, just before I passed away, I'd get to see us get our league place back. And instead we smashed it in nine years and almost went, oh, now what? And then we went, oh, yeah, we, we slightly took our eye off the ball about the stadium. We got a bit distracted with the idea that we might stay in Kingston and then we all turned our minds to that. And we're now playing a ground back on Plough Lane. Now, you know, I know there's plenty of people on Facebook that would say you can't be some kind of happy clapper. At least we have a club. But that's not my point. My point is what we've achieved to get to this point is, is nothing short of phenomenal because we, yeah. we've got our club. We've got our league place back and we've got a stadium on Plough Lane. Are there a hell of a lot of things we could do better? Yeah, absolutely. Would we like to, you know, kick on from here? Definitely. But I think at the 20 year point, you've got to say, that's a hell of an achievement over 20 years from thousands and thousands of people. Oh, I, again, that's I totally agree. And that's why I started off with the, to say well done, because the people that wouldn't let the club die and stood forward, people like Ivor, Mark Jones, Trev, they, they did make sure that we didn't die. And, and I said, there's my thing, my question to you, Charlie, is like, where, where do we reach a glass ceiling as a fan of club? Because I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that want to sell out to a Russian billionaire or people like that. I, I think we should take investment on, but we still have to remain in charge ourselves because it was too raw what happened with the whole Milton Keynes stuff. But two questions to yourself, sorry. So do you think we have a glass ceiling as a fan-owned club? And what is the latest with an investor? Because there apparently was an investor that is, you might not be able to say too much, but there was an, and that's gone kind of quiet uh, from the fans' point of view that we don't really hear much about if there's going to be another Robertson coming in. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of questions in one. Um, so, um, I mean, I mean, first of all, do, do we have a, a glass ceiling? Um, I mean, I think, I think it's dangerous to tell us we've got a glass ceiling because the first glass ceiling we had was we were told not to start the club because it wasn't in the wider interest of football. Uh, and then everyone said, well, there's no way you'd ever get a ground back in Wimbledon. So, um, and as you yourself are fond of pointing out, you know, what I think most of us involved are very proud of, of, of Wimbledon's history. So if, if you want to really inspire us to go and achieve something tell us it's impossible um i think in practical terms uh from the way football has changed you know to, to, the gap between the fourth and first division of 35 years ago is is totally different and there are kind of several chasms to negotiate along the way and um, it's absolutely possible uh for us to play in the championship um because you look at some of the clubs who've done it you look at the steps we could put in place to get there you can start to put in place both a a football plan and a business plan to get there. We could talk about that in a bit more detail, but you know, you can see how you're not going to have, you know, there were, there were clubs who've come down into league one and still had 20 million or 10 million wage bills. We can come on to your point about, you know, to what extent does the budget matter? To what extent can it be overcome? But it's a fact that teams with, you know, achievable wage bills have got to the playoffs. 
Um, teams have bounced up to the championship. Uh, some have done quite well. You know, like Barnsley did well for a year. Now don't now struggle. Uh, you know, Luton, uh, Peterborough, Doncaster, um, slightly longer ago. But, you know, you look at Yeovil. I mean, Yeovil yeah, yeah, interesting yeah, point because yeah, their ceiling was the championship, but their floor is falling apart in the conference. So South all of those things are possible. I think plaus- plausibly to get back to the Premier League is, is to be frank, that, that's bloody unlikely under the, under the current structure. There's no doubt about that. Um, but in the same way as your, your ceiling is the championship, you know, equally to its extent, what is your what is your floor? Um, you know, could could we fall into League Two? Clearly, demonstrably, yes. That's how football works. Um, it, it would be uh, it, it would be uh, more than frustrating. It would be, I think, I'd argue, a kind of a, a business failure to be struggling at the wrong end of League Two. But if you've constructed a uh, you know a financially profitable club, running and making a profit every year, that's playing at a level between the Championship and League Two, obviously, ideally towards the top of that, that's a sustainable club that you know, that continues to be playing and it goes up and down according to how it performs on the pitch in any given year. Quick question, Charlie. Just spoke about going down to League Two. And again, I don't know if you've the information's here. What impact does that have, do you feel, on the club in terms of running aspirations, you from the Don's Trust? Does it affect your, you know, the way that you're operating the club or the way you operate the trust? Or what, what impact would it have to go down, do you feel? Is it an absolute nightmare or is it a bump in the road? I think if you've got to pick one or the other, it's it's it, it's a bump in the road if you think all of the other things are in place, right? Because um, clearly some aspects of your income go down yeah. um, because you have uh, certainly, I mean, there's a couple of bigger clubs down there, but you, you lose some away fans. It's interesting to question how many home fans we might or might not lose because to be perfectly honest on the home fan side, I don't think we've, we've well, I know, we've not yet fully tapped into the potential of being back and being at home there are a load of people we all know this when you go to games there are a load of people who have only just realized that we're now back on their doorstep have only just realized you know what the day out of coming to watch us play could be like have only just realized what they could get involved in so um in a sense if if we sort of go the other way we we should almost our capacity is almost too small for the the catchment and the people we would want to get pushing towards the top of, of league one Therefore, by extension, could you still plausibly be getting in crowds of seven, 8,000 in League 2? I think that's plausible if it's marketed and how you've done the rest of it. So if you've achieved that bit, actually in financial terms, the knock-on effect is not huge. And it's actually much more offset by the fact that ignore the division we play. And the, the biggest change that we've made is we were playing at Kings Meadow, which had virtually no revenue streams outside of a match day and capped out at 4,000 people. And we've got a stadium that holds 9,000 people and has the potential to bring in money every day of the year. Now, for a variety of reasons, particularly COVID, we haven't, the, the, the non-match day stuff is, is coming online, but isn't there yet. The match day experience, yeah, there are still improvements to be made. I think we can all see that, you know, things that things have got better and better. You can get people more engaged. So the income uh, bonus from going to Plough Lane is, is out far outweighs us playing in a lower division for what you'd hope would be, you know, only for a season. So it, it would be, uh, it would be annoying. It would have a financial impact. I, I don't think it's an existential um, disaster, but I don't, think, I don't think anyone would be under any illusions that like any other club, the, the idea of, of dropping out of League Two is an ex- is is a a much bigger issue. But but realistically, and this should apply to every club, right? This is kind of bringing on to a wider point about football governance. Your club should be able to be sustainable playing in League Two, League One, or the Championship, and should be able to move between them according to how its first team plays that season. And if the pyramid worked and all of these several clubs would be rotating around doing this, we should all be quite happy with that. 
don't want really to get relegated to be clear, but you know, no, 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 that's very clear. Yeah. I, I think relegation would be the worst thing for Wimbledon, uh, because in League One, we've struggled every I think pretty much every season we've been in League One. Uh, we're not winning many games. Where if we go into League Two, if you look at League Two, other than Salford and maybe one, two others, if Wrexham come up, there's not many teams with massive budgets in that league. If we were to get relegated, what would that have with regards to our budget? Would we have to t- t- our budget have to take a hit? Because I believe if we had the same budget as we got now, I think we'd be a very good League Two team, and we could be maybe a yo-yo team, which would wouldn't be the end of the world in my opinion. It, it worked quite well in the 80s, didn't it? It's what kick-started the rise up. But um, I, I don't know the, the exact details of that. I mean, for a start, the club, we haven't got anywhere near looking at the the, you know, the, the modelling for next season would follow. Um, we would expect, obviously, revenue to be lower in League 2 than League 1, but then equally some of the outgoings would be a bit lower. Uh, there's, there's no reason to assume in very kind of bold terms that we wouldn't you know be able to be a, a, as competitive as we are being. Um <laughs> Sorry, Dan. It's only because your point regarding getting people in and spectators. Spectators will come if we're winning games. Uh, we have we have got the fan zone, which I think is brilliant. The Phoenix is brilliant. The ground's amazing. I just think where we can get people in would be start winning games. And I think if, unfortunately, League One, we're not winning games. We're League Two. I think we would win games. I mean, I mean, maybe, but I mean, if we're honest, if, if anyone's problem with being a Wimbledon fan is we don't win enough games, I'm, I'm not sure that they've, they've chosen the right club because we were just, you know, we've all been fans for a long time. Um, actually, we go because it's what we do on a Saturday. It's what, it's what we do at a weekend. It's what we do on a Tuesday night. And it, we're, we're proud of what it's achieving. That, that might be true for a, a small number of people, but I, I genuinely, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's been it's been a tough decade results wise, but actually our crowds have grown in that period. I mean, since we got back in the league, we finished in the top half once, and that's the promotion season when we finished in the lowest possible permission to get promoted. So, and in that time, we've all brought people to games. They've gone, this is fun, I like this, and they've kept coming back. So, I mean, yeah, a, a winning product helps, but I'm not sure it's the only reason as to why and how you you get you get people in. But this is my. I, point. I wouldn't choose to go down to test your theory. Is basically where I'm going. With. <laughs> But yeah. this is my this was my point, though, Charlie. Around the and again, I appreciate some people thought it was a little bit um, inflammatory. Well, forgive the pun around me talking about a civil war, but this is where I see it: is that you've got a lot of guys like us who have been, you know, we're talking about our first games, we're about Norwich, we're talking about watching Sheffield United in the eighties, but you've also got us guys who have been in the long term, who who understand the journey and get it, and they totally get it, and they're Wimbledon through and through. You're then inviting hopefully three, four, five thousand new fans who get the story. It's a nice story, but they're there to be entertained. They're there to want to watch their team be successful. They're not as emotionally invested because they weren't, you know, singing Charlie Copple when they weren't holding the banners and they weren't at Southampton. So it must be a really difficult blend, something that must be, you guys must talk about. How do you blend this, the, 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 the fans... And again, I've spoken a lot about the fact that I'm 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 sort of more towards external than fan ownership. How do you blend blend it where you've got these guys who are like, I totally get this and it's entrenched in my being? And when you talk about reasons to support Wimbledon, but then we also want to get the people from the street who aren't going to watch Chelsea who bring their kids on because it's an entertaining day out. How it must be a very it must be impossible to marry up both of them and and keep them happy. I wonder what how that happens. 
I don't I don't think it is impossible, really. I think you you, you have got to be clear what you're what you're doing and what you're offering because um I, I mean obviously it's it's a particularly dangerous uh, club that you yourself are a fan of to start talking about words like you know kind of brands and, and customers and stuff because we all get quite insulted if people start referring to the club that we spent 30 years with with, with a brand, but but it is right. Yeah. Um and when we were at Wembley, uh, what I remember looking around at Wembley, because I thought we'd take maybe 16, 17,000. We took 24,000 people to Wembley and we as a club and we writ large, actually, I, I think we're still not entirely sure all of them were because I don't think we've got all of the information of how all those people got their tickets. Right. But 24,000 people turned up because they bought into the story. Now, if I've got a professional work hat on, sometimes we have a little bit lost control of our narrative. We've not always been clear in our branding. We've not always been clear on our history and other points, which I, I think we've got uh, we've got a lot better at. So in a kind of as a professional, you can almost go, you know, you, you guys have you guys haven't got tight control. It's and as you to pick up on your point, you aren't communicating a clear message to these people. But on the other hand, twenty four thousand people have kind of seen this for themselves, right? So in a weird kind of way, the, one of the amazing things about women and for me is that all of us who've been involved and everyone's been involved, right? It's not like whether you're on the board, whether you're not on the board. Everyone who's got involved and watched games is involved. You know, everyone who turns up as a fan is involved. I'd argue you're more involved by being a member of the trust, but everyone is involved in doing this. People have found their own reasons to be there and have bought into this. This entity exists beyond any of the people involved, you know, beyond anyone who's on the board now, beyond Eric, beyond Ivor, beyond Mark, beyond Trev, you know, beyond the four people who sat in a room and recreated it. The entity has sort of taken on a life of its own, which is in many ways is brilliant, right? Because it's, it's insane to be part yeah. of something like that, which we're all part of. But it is, a, it is I think, a challenge to then try and distill that and communicate that and also then to deal with when people who turn up and go oh this thing isn't like i thought it would be or why can't this thing get you know why can't this thing be bought by some bloke from disney like like portsmouth would? i agree i think it's a challenge and i think we've yeah, got better yeah, yeah. at it but we're not there yet what do you think the main reason for the little like as danny said earlier we had last week's which was civil war uh, the divide between some fans and maybe the board the fans and the, the management team why do you think there seems to be that disconnection at the moment? Uh, some people replied to us last week regarding our podcast. A lot of people agreed with some of the stuff I said. Uh, some people didn't agree. Some people agree with Danny. Some people didn't agree. There seems to be that little disconnect between the club and the fans. I, I don't know if you see it or well, if maybe you, you there's not. Lee. Maybe that's, that's what I'm saying. That's... Maybe there's not. But for some reason, sorry to interrupt you or cut you, Lee, but. That's Maybe fine. it's not because we 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 think we can see it like every week, but. Maybe we're going we're going bonkers and it doesn't exist. Hundred percent, because social media is such a, a mad get. You, you, it could be just ten people who are I, literally I, on social media saying the same thing, and everyone thinks that's a, a wider uh, like fan base when it actually isn't. It could be just. I think people. I think it's an interesting question. Right? I mean, you've always got to go back to the old, the old Steve Archibald line that team spirit is an illusion glimpsed by winning games. Right. So I think there's always a. Yeah, if the team wins four games in a row, you know the, the people that the people that are moaning about stuff aren't heard. Um, I I question how annoyed a lot of people are because you know, like a lot of people, I, particularly if you go and look in the on the Facebook group, there are there are people who are very volubly very annoyed, and there are people who are very volubly saying, you know, you guys are all idiots. Sell out to some people with money now. Um, which is, you know, it's a perfectly reasonable position to have if that's what they want to have. I don't think that's the majority of position. I mean, I listened to all of, of last week's before coming on. I think I agreed with about 80 to 90% of what Danny said. 
Uh, yes. I think I agreed with significantly less of what you said, Lee, because it, yep. it contains some things that I don't think are true. It contained the fact that you said at one point that the people on the trust board have got contempt for fans or don't understand fans. I don't believe that to be the case. Um, I, I don't see that any of us who are now on the board, there are quite a few of us now on the board who got back involved after running the bond. And all of the people I know from doing that, I've known as fans for years. And I think that we're back involved precisely because we're fans. And I don't think we've changed who we are uh, at all. Um, and I certainly don't think that there is, I don't feel, I mean, I don't feel there's a disconnect in how the, what the border, the Don Strauss border discussing and, and what fans are feeling based on, you know, conversations I have with friends and fans who aren't on the board. I, I think there is, um, I think we've been, I think we've been bad as a, a wider fan base at, at keeping that kind of sense of togetherness outside of moments of crisis. I think that's true. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah. So, you know, for example, one of the reasons why the bond in a way was, was uh, brilliant out of something awful is because as, as so often, when something terrible that I was going to happen, we club together to go, right, well, we're all going to club together, forget this, and we'll ignore the fact that actually we don't always get on about everything and, you know, we won't have our own little arguments amongst ourselves because we're going to sort this out. And then as soon as things sort of uh, kind of sort of okay, and we go back and there are, you know, there are teething problems at the stadium. These are all, you know, so to kind of go where there's a disconnect because, you know, the board are ignoring the fact that fans are saying, you know, sometimes it's been difficult to get a pint or the pub wasn't great or this hasn't been sorted. I mean, no one at any stage of at any board level or indeed club level is disagreeing with that. It might take longer to get sorted out than uh, fans would like, which is, again, perfectly reasonable. But, you know, there's there's no kind of, there's no one I see on the board or indeed at the club who's kind of sitting on their hands going, well, everything's sorted now. I think I think there are loads of things that we're getting on and dealing with together, but I think they, they could and should be dealt with together. In terms of togetherness with the management, I'm going to disagree with you. I think, particularly if you go to away games, which is a better barometer of this, yeah. I think the I think the players and the and the fans visibly feed off each other. And and to still be doing that through a you know a 10 match run without a win is I think pretty good testament. But I agree I agree with your point regarding the fans at games. I think at games, I think the fans are brilliant. Uh Charlton, uh, I didn't go, but again, a lot of my mates said they said the atmosphere was amazing. I had a few mates who went up to Accrington, which was one of the probably the best uh, atmospheres we've had at a game this season. I think at games it's brilliant. I, my disconnect comment was regarding and again it is social media so it is pretty much you could say one percent of the fan base but it's I'm, I'm seeing more stuff against Robbo now online than previously and that's because we're not winning games and people are unhappy with the the same old formations and, and stuff like that but that's regarding the the management teams but yeah I, I totally agree with you actually on a match day at, at the games and at Plough Lane people are there to, to support the team and they do Slightly different take, Charlie. What is it like being on the board? Like, is it a lot of work? Do you, did you enjoy it? <laughs> I mean, I I'm, just, I'm saying it because you've come and you bless you, you've, you've, you've down your pint already and you've, you've come and had a great chat with us. I'm just interested. Are you enjoying it? Is it a good experience? Is it a lot of work? Is it stressful? What's it been like? I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's all of those things, obviously. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of time commitment. Uh, of course, it's stressful because um, you know if if you are on the you know if you're on the trust board, never mind the, the PLC board of our of our football club, you are answerable to you know four thousand six hundred members and the occasional angry fan who can't be bothered to join but still wants to have a go at you. So um, 
Uh, no, it's it, yeah, there's, there, but there's, there's, there's a lot to do, right? And there's always going to be a lot to do, but specifically at the moment, um, you know, and I think for quite a few of the other, the other people involved, I mean, Jane just stepped down. Jane did eight years. I've no idea how she did that. I mean, it's an extraordinary level of commitment to have done eight years doing it. And, and there are many people who've put in many, many hours and days and weeks over the years. And you look also at other people who, who've stepped down recently, like my, Mark Davis, was you know the previous chair Mark Davis put in literally weeks of his life to make sure the stadium happened. He was basically doing an extra day or two days a week project project managing project managing the stadium. Now that that is an extraordinary level of commitment. What I think a great strength of our club is is that if you go back to November 2019 when they said uh, we've, we've run out of money, we think we should sell the club. That that was a let's be frank a pretty fractious meeting, right? There were four or five of us. Well, a lot of people were annoyed in the room four or five of us at the back of the room basically demanding they took a vote to look at running a bond and, uh, you know, a, a fairly uh, a full and frank exchange of views, I think, would, you know, be the kind of political euphemism for it. And yet, sort of two days after that, uh, you know, with, with Mark, who I totally disagreed with on his approach to financing, but that's why it's important thing to then say he spent you know, hours and days of his life working and stuff to make it happen. And then Mark and Ed Leake, who at that point I didn't really know, was then you know sat down in a meeting with the four of us. He said we thought the bond was an idea, absolutely committed to making it happen. And Ed is another person who's just stepped down after doing a turn on the board. Has spent absolutely hours and days of his life on, on putting stuff in to make it happen. So I think the thing that's inspiring about doing any turn on the board, or indeed any amount of the volunteering that people do all over the shop, is you realise just how many people are putting in that amount of time, which which is a, a great strength for what we do. So yeah, it's stressful sitting on the board, but it's also amazing to realize that you know there are hundreds hundreds of people putting putting in that amount of time but Charlie, as you said hopefully we will never get in that situation again with the current board because as you said mark davis put eight years of solid hard work in but then nearly threw it all away of not telling the fans the truth about where the stadium was going and the fact that we might he might we we're going to sell the club pretty much I mean, how or... close do we get charlie if you don't i mean i don't know if you can well, I, I wasn't on the board then so that's not really a question for me um i mean we didn't get very close obviously because oh, okay. to pick up on your well only because to pick up on your question about model and outside investment and everything else is as soon as anything was said publicly that was you know one of our options is is selling control of the club it turns out the members really didn't want that to happen yeah. uh, you know so the initially there was a very negative response but out of that came the very positive response to the bond obviously one of the reasons why we're partly here is just to talk about the, the bond as well but yeah, that first bond brought in 5.6 million the second bonds brought in 1.1.7 million so we are we are getting not far off the point we can see the point at some point on the horizon where we we could potentially get to the stage where we we don't have any any external debt where the only money we've borrowed is is, is from our owners which to be fair is what what most clubs do it's just most clubs have one rich owner who's lent them five million quid and we're going to have borrowed from ourselves because because we are the owners. Now, if you do that, then you're at a stage where you can then look for other sources of investment and other sources of profitability alongside that. So, so how close it came is, is a bit of a moot point because actually because of the strength of our model, as soon as it looked like it might be close, you know, 3,000 people said, screw that yeah. and, and made sure it didn't happen. And I, I feel... Therefore, if you look at the fan-owned versus investment debate, yeah. which, as discussed, I don't think is a debate, um, I feel the same would happen if you come up with any other proposals. And we have looked at this, and I you know, happily talk about this for hours, as you could probably yeah. tell. But 
we, we can look at any model that brings in more investment. Absolutely. And, you know, any ways of bringing in commercial partners. Absolutely. All these things are there to be explored. But I'd argue it's pretty clear, whatever my personal view or your personal view is. Yeah. Anything that involves giving up majority control is is very very unlikely to get passed by by a member vote. So therefore, you feel though, Charlie, that that the don and again, it, it might be a mute point. It might be exactly the point. Does do you feel that the don's trust is a very good sample for the whole fan base, or because I I always feel that the people I speak to and they're going maybe they're different cultures or they're not on the on the don's trust. I've got friends who are on the don's trust who are not. I'm just curious as to what, whether you think it's a, a microcosm of, of the whole opinion of the fan base, the, the Don's Trust view, or do you feel that we, we'll never know because, you know, all you can do is measure the Don's Trust and that's it? Well, I mean, again, I'll say again, that there's 4,600 Don Trust members and our, our average gate even now is still only about 7,500. So it's, it's more than half. It's, it's more, it's more well, than half our average gate. Well, I mean, not, in, in, in not the fan base, though, sure, not the fan base. Um, I mean, it's slightly self-selecting that uh, one extreme and that anyone who totally thinks fan ownership is a total load of nonsense um, isn't going to join. But other than that, I think, yeah, I think it is it is it is representative uh, in, in that sense. And also, uh, you know, if people really think that the, the trust is, is getting things wrong, well, the answer to that is, is, is to join and have a vote now. Does that mean you shouldn't ever talk to fans who aren't in it? Clearly not. But actually, my biggest question has always been we should be looking at why you know why fans aren't in it and we should probably be looking at, at driving that membership up higher because i think we've always made a better strength and this picks up on all your other points as well right engagement is a strength in everything that we do and and being fans and being owners is is a core part of who we are as wimbledon you'll notice we've had the, the slogan being used a bit more now we are fans we are owners we are wimbledon because again you've just talked before about you know, you're going to get new people coming in. You're going to try and invite people to come in. You're getting local people coming in who haven't been before. If you want to sum up what's different about coming to watch us versus ignore Chelsea because they're already not going there. But, you know, now if their decision tree is now kind of, and even ignore Brentford at the moment, but, you know, if they're looking at other London clubs they could go and see, the reason to come down with us is, is that is one of that is one of the core reasons to come and get involved. Because, you know, if you like this club, you can buy it. You know, this this is part of being here is that is that this is different. And you're not going to get that feeling anywhere else. So that that is part of a reason to come here. Does that make you feel better if you've lost 3-0 at home to Rochdale? Maybe not hugely. But over time, that just cements your involvement with it in, in, a, in, a, in a totally different way. I, I kind of disagree with that, though, Charlie. I think that's kind of idealist, the way to look at it, in regards to fans that are not with, like, like ourselves, who have not been there, or, or people... I know a lot of young fans who are coming down who, who don't really buy into the fan ownership and not really bothered about the Don's Trust. They're there to watch Wimbledon win games and, and that's it. And I don't think we're going to get thousands of people who can come down and go, right, brilliant. If, if I keep watching Wimbledon, I can then pay £25 to be a Don's Trust member and get a vote. I think most people, again, as previous, I think people want to come down and watch a game of football, be entertained, have a good pie, watch goals and, and watch the team win. I don't think they're, they're really looking to do the ownership kind of deal. People, Some people just want to be fans and they just want to buy their merchandise. And that's pretty much it. But also, like you said, Charlie, earlier, you said that if you're a fan that isn't necessarily going to be that interested in fan ownership, you're not going to join the Don's Trust, so they're not going to join it. But then again, if they want to change things, then what they can do is join the, join, join the Don's Trust and have a say. So what you're, what, what kind of, from, from my perspective, and I've joined the Don's Trust, but it just seems that 
it, it, we're, we're basically we are what we are and that's not really going to change because even though you could get the majority of fans actually disagreeing with the fan ownership and want to go more external, they're not going to join it because they don't want to be fan owned. So actually we're just going to... I, I mean, I, I, the I don't thing, think that's we? true. I mean, I don't think that's true. I think I, I don't think that... I, I don't see... I mean... It, no, it's just a, I'm just chucking it out. It, it's, it's, it's mathematically possible, but it's it's vanishingly unlikely, right? Because the point of the structure of where we've got to, I mean, there's a separate debate to be had potentially around, you know, uh, whether you think the ownership, the membership is, is correctly priced. I think there's a massive debate about whether it should be an opt-in on season tickets, which I've thought it should be for over a decade. And there've been, uh, you know, various delays and questions about VAT and other points. I, I would strongly support that. But to pick up on your point about investment, actually, one of the reasons why we're far more interesting to investors and brands and commercial partners than any other League One team. Well, there are two. One of them is because we've got Wimbledon in our name and foreigners have heard of Wimbledon because it's really famous for sport. Not technically our sport, but, you know, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) But the second one is is because of the the USP, the existence of of, of what we do. And that is has actual kind of, you know, tangible brand value and it has a level of interest to people because it's a story and a narrative they could get behind. Even when you talk to the Americans, obviously the Americans... Yeah, the, the Green Bay Packers, you know, still consistently essentially punch above their weight because they're they're a they're a they're a fan owned club still playing in the NFL. So the the idea is not an alien concept, and it, and it is interesting to people. So yeah, you might get some people turn up who don't care. But part of the reason why I argue why they don't care is because we've been really bad at communicating it, or quite bad at communicating it as anything other than a massive negative. Because what has happened quite a lot of the time is that we all sort of trundle along and we're winning games or we're winning more than we're losing. It's all kind of fine. And when everything goes slightly wrong, we get this kind of thing of going, oh, yeah, well, what do you expect with our budget? And then people go, well, why is our budget bad? Well, because we're fan-owned. Well, that's a bit reductive and I'm not sure it's true, but therefore being fan-owned is being perceived as just being, oh, being fan-owned is the millstone around our neck. If we could just get rid of this, you know, we'll have some uplands next week. Another question, you say about the membership being 4,600, but the last uh, votes that we had, was, which is quite an important vote regarding uh, people being voted onto the board, it was quite a low turnout. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was probably about half of that, I think, maybe even less than that. How do we go from getting 4,600 members to start voting? Or is it people kept saying to me, I said, oh, it means that the fan ownership model, people don't want it, uh, but... People said to me, well, maybe that's because the, the, the members are happy with what's going on at the club at the moment, and then that's why they didn't turn out too vote because they're they're happy with what what's going on. But yeah, I I think your your latter points are a large part of it. I mean, as as discussed, the point at which most members got really engaged again, certainly including me, I, I was just going to games, having a pint, and going home. I, I thought the 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 stadium was all progressing kind of okay. Uh, obviously, we'd seen the Cedars bit which, you know, hadn't hit the numbers perhaps they were slightly hoping for. But like a lot of people, I, you know, I, I knew some people, as we all do, I knew some people who were more involved and less involved. I wasn't really paying much attention. I was turning up to games, having a pint and going home. And I suddenly went, what, you want to sell the club? <laughs> and then turnout was massive. Everyone was really involved. At the moment, yeah, actually our voting is, is not bad. If you look at most member organisations, that turnout is, is kind of normal. I mean you know, whatever you're part of. I mean, like the, the National Trust hit the headlines recently because they had some big contentious vote and, you know, members were really turning up to vote at their AGM. But by omission, virtually every other time, any member of the National Trust never gets around for voting who's going to be on the you know, on, on the general council. Same with political parties, same with all sorts. Yeah, engagement is generally, engagement being low generally means 
membership is is relatively happy would i like it if engagement was higher yeah 100 percent. i think it would be good because again i think engagement in all areas is better if you again if you look at like if you look at dlag as another perfect example us all being involved all the time more and talking to each other more as a fan base and just as a wider community makes everything else better but that's just an almost kind of you know piece of political utopia not how you run a football club i pretty much know what you're going to say regarding my next point but uh, I find some stuff regarding the Don Strasbourg uh, members, uh, especially on social media, you, yourself, I find that you're really good. You come back in a professional way. There's some some members that ha- I don't get why they they put things out on social media or reply to fans who are just having an opinion, which they don't agree with. I, get, I know the members are fans at the end of the day, but there was a joke, uh, you know, Brett, Brett Neil, he's always joking on there. He's always putting silly comments on. I don't always agree with them but one of Don's Trust members bit back straight away. And it was like, don't need, just just ignore it. Don't need to go back to him. Or if you have any problems, then maybe message him privately. I just find some of the comments on social media re- are, are totally ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's not really for me to speak for, for other people's behaviour on social <laughs> media, but um, uh, I, I read quite a lot of comments on social media that are ridiculous. And the vast majority of them are not written by Don's Trust board members. I, I tell, again, but they're written by Wimbledon fans. And yeah, I guess. Yeah, and this is my point: is that this is why I was saying last week is that some fans, people just want to be fans; they don't want to be Don Trust members. So, should we write them off? Then, should we say, "Well, you're not a Don Trust member; you shouldn't have an opinion"? No, but I think if you want an opinion on how the clubs run, and you're you're that desperate not to be part of the Don's Trust, I question the point of your your posturing. To be, to be perfectly honest, because. Um, I, you know, I, I think uh, everyone's entitled to have whatever opinion they want. Of course they are. But again, you're entitled to your own opinion, not your own facts. I don't think you're entitled to say that the, the Don's Trust board have got contempt for fans or have no idea what fans are doing or don't understand what it's like to be a fan or, you know, or who are uh, a bunch of, you know, happy meddling amateurs uh, getting in the way of things. You know, these are, you know, those are incorrect statements. You are absolutely entitled to say, uh, I hate this whole ownership model and I want us to sell out tomorrow. But if there's that what you want, if that's what you want to achieve, you are, I'm afraid, not going to achieve that without becoming a member of the trust. Now, you can be annoyed about that as much as you want, but that's the nature of our, of our organisation. You know, if you are, a, you know, an Everton fan, and you're not desperate for them to sell up. Uh, you can, you know, you, you can go to protest and you can try and put pressure on. You, you've got even, you know, that, that's going to be very unlikely to get a massive yield in doing it. If you really dislike the way we're being run, as to some extent, loads of us did in 2019, right? We said we don't agree with this. Uh, we're going to go away. We're, we're going to we're going to we've got we've got a plan that we think could raise some more money. One, so we'll solve the initial we haven't got investment problem. But two, we are then having done that, going to get involved because because we think and we hope that the, the, yeah, this this membership organisation could be steered in a different direction. So, but absolutely come and stand and get involved. But again, I think there's a, a misconception and therefore it's, if it's a misconception, it's as much the fault of the people on the board as not, but a load of people, particularly again, those of us who got back involved in 2019, are massively against bringing in investment, which we're not, to be clear, right? My answer still remains, we should be fan owned and invested in. We should be turning a profit every year. We should be as profitable and successful and we should welcome any people who want to join us on that journey so long as they they buy into you know to to what we're doing and how we're doing it. No, I I, I get your point. I just feel that some fans just feel totally dismissed because they're not on the Don's Trust. Like you said, if you're not on the Don's Trust membership, 
you know what I mean? That you not have an opinion, but you, there's some things that you shouldn't be saying. It's like, well, I'm a fan. I, sh- I can say pretty much what I want regarding the club, the ownership. You can say what you pitch. want, but if you want representation, you have to be a member. It's, you know, it's no taxation about representation. It's a sort of standard tenet of kind of <laughs> democracy but, through the ages. If, if you, you, you're not going to be ignored as such if you've got an opinion, but if you want your opinion to, to count in a member organisation, you do have to be a member of that organisation. Because I've got, sorry, Dan, two more questions. Uh, sorry. Uh, one, I've, I've, I'm pretty, I'm really happy that Freddie Flaxman got onto the board and uh, the second chance, second time, sorry, that he, he, he's gone up for it. Uh, and I spoke to Freddie before and he's a, he's a really uh, good lad to talk to. How do we get people like Freddie involved when fans don't know who they are, but they are going to be doing good job for the, the club. They're going to be pushing everything for the club. Uh, people like uh, Pricey, we both know, who has very good business acumen, but a lot of people won't know who he is because he, he goes to games and stuff. And not. How do we get more people involved into standing for the Duns Trust? When, yeah. when they, 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 they're not well known. And obviously people are scared of what happened before uh, and someone just comes out of the blue. Everyone goes, oh, well, I don't know who this guy is. And my second point is, I thought some of the some of the stuff regarding the latest Don Trust uh, stuff was a bit underhand with regards to say Colin Shergold, the way he was treated on some of it, some of the stuff that he said as well was ridiculous, uh, and, and it was all a little bit, just yeah, it just got a bit mad in the end. I mean, it certainly did. I mean, again, I, I'm not, I'm not really. I don't know what specifics we really want to rake over from that. I'd not something I tried to get particularly involved in. Um, I, I think to take on your first point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, Graham Price is someone who's done a lot of, of great stuff for the club still, you know, he sits on the finance committee was one of the four guys who you know, came up with and ran the bond. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think we have got better and I, at this, and I think a, a wider challenge for us as a club is, is to realize that, you don't need to be, well, and obviously this has also always been the case, you don't need to be on the trust board to get involved. In fact, I never had any uh, real you know, aspirations or thoughts of standing for the trust board until the, the 2019 point, because I had been involved in a few bits for the club over the years. I was the, the journalist when we first started. Um, I'd then been involved in a bit of uh, PR stuff. I then ran all of the, you know, the Bring the Don's Home campaign and did all the lobbying and other things. So I, I've always mostly felt that I've contributed more to the club by getting involved in specific projects but but Graham again is a case in point has been doing lots of stuff involved in projects like that uh, other people on the finance committee have been doing a lot of things as well you might have seen I think David Ray did one of the interviews recently uh, around the bond and things and, and you know there's, there's a load of really good financial brains which which to be clear is is not my uh, not my area uh, on the finance committee working with that I've been acting as a liaison while sitting on the board so I think I think there are there is a there's a wider question of how we harness and bring in the amazing talent and resource among our fan base, uh, which I think we do sometimes very well and, and sometimes we don't. Um, and you shouldn't and don't need to stand for the trust board to do that. There's also the fact that obviously if you look at how we're now uh, set up with the, the PLC being formal, the, the operational board, there are obviously roles and engagement for, for people to get involved in there. And I think what we in an ideal world, I think you would ideally have a structure that allowed people to get involved with talents to offer on an operational level and you would also make sure that you felt you had the right people dealing with that oversight role of the trust uh, to keep an eye on everything that's going on and those two don't necessarily have to be the same people and I, I don't think we've got that quite right yet uh, as a structure but I, I think we've I think we've, we've done better at it um, and I think the key, the key point is to, is to try and do that because I, I agree it, there is a bit of a 
a name recognition factor around uh, Don's trust elections, which isn't necessarily always the biggest determining feature. Oh, brilliant. And uh, Dan, my last question, and you may have answered this earlier, but I was having some technical issues where my, I thought my computer was going to die. Uh, we, we were told about an investor previously. I don't know if you answered, I, I can't remember, but how, how is that coming along? Do, do, are we any any further down the line with that? Is that going to be happening soon or, or are we still going to be looking to get further investment? So we are still looking. Um, so, I mean, again, to pick up on the kind of the, the boring detail under what you were saying of, you know, are we fan owned or can, you know, are we looking for investment? I mean, under where we're currently at. So the, the trust at the moment owns more than 75% of the shares. And at the point we all agreed to run the Cedars campaign, we agreed, therefore, they could sell off up to 25%. So 7 to 8% of that is, is still left, give or take, which is probably around another £2 million. Uh, we have been in negotiations with uh, people around doing that. Um, there was someone who, who got quite close to doing it and then uh, decided not to. Uh, we are still talking to people around that. So that is, that's still ongoing. Uh, and that, uh, that, that is a, a route that could, that could bring in uh, that level of investment um so that it could still happen um but the, the the person that was as it were kind of closest to the line at the risk of using uh, transfer window speak uh, has now decided not to do it so there are still negotiations going on um we'll obviously have a further update through that we're in the period now on the on the plow lane bond as well the plow lane bond was at 1.75 uh today um so any discussions about bringing an investor will continue but clearly, if, if we don't have all of the, we're looking at all of the routes to make sure that we can refinance that, that 4.5 million by April. And so we have several steps and several things in place to mean that we would be confident that would happen. So that, that so we will look at every avenue to do that. The, the best way of doing that still is to have as much of that coming from uh, fans and you know friendly people through the plow lane bond as possible. And we are, we're still talking to the investors on the, on the other side. And we do have, uh conversations ongoing in terms of commercial routes to uh to plugging any other kind of shortfall there so um there we're, we're not sitting on something that's going to be announced next week is the short answer to your question we're continuing to, to talk to people about it um there is interest um and then uh you then get to the stage of going okay well that that yeah that would obviously bring in the, the nice thing about equity investment is obviously whilst you sold the shares while doing it that that money goes uh straight in yeah, just last thing to me. Firstly, Charlie, thank you ever so much for your honesty and your and your kindness to come on. You, you've got the platform. Is there anything you want to you know say to the fans? Is there anything you want to make? I know you brought out the Plowblame Bond. Is there anything in particular? Last pushes for anything? Also, why you know reasons to join the, the you know join the Don's Trust? What what you what you as the board would love from the fans? It's your floor, mate. It, you you mean, know, you mean, apart, know. apart from that, so apart from that very broad remit of of literally everything. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I mean, the bond's still open, point one, you know, um, I, I think it's that, you know, the, the bond remains by far the best way we have of, of borrowing money. Um, I hope we've been clear this time that we don't want people to, you know, raid their piggy banks and, you know, um, but frankly, put in money they don't have. You know, the first time around for the bond was massive jeopardy. We could have lost the club. This time around, uh, we would like to get every penny into it that we can. But there's a reason why this time around we've upped the rates and we're pitching it very much as an investment that we hope would be mutually beneficial. So, you know, you, you shouldn't be, uh, it's, it's a cliche, but you shouldn't be putting in money you can't afford and you, you should understand where we're at with it. And because we've had people saying, oh, you know, I, 
can't afford to do it or I could only do this or I could do part of one. Well, that's brilliant that you want to do that. But, you know, if you've got a couple of hundred quid that you'd like to stick in to help the club, there are plenty of other routes to do that. You know, turn up earlier and drink some more pints, go and buy some merchandise, you know, keep buying tickets, keep supporting the team. That The point of this is, is really if we, the more we borrow here from fans and the less we have to borrow from a bank, the better, because, you know, our, our fan base is, is better than Barclays, basically, is, is where we're going with this one. So that's that's absolutely key. That's massive. It helps with everything else that we're doing. Uh, to state the obvious, the more of the uh, four and a half million we get in through the bond, it does then mean that as and when we do any other uh, other equity investment, that money can then get invested straight into, into projects and operating budgets. Obviously, the operating budget everyone's most excited about is the playing budget. Um, and it also means that it just puts us in a stronger position with everything else because the more we borrow at better rates from fans, you know, the, the easier it makes everything else. So that, that's absolutely crucial. Should people join the trust? I'd like it if they did, uh, you know, both kind of personally and, and with, a, with a board head on, obviously. Um, but being a fan-owned club is intrinsically one of our core strengths and what we're about. Um, it, it seems unlikely a significant number of people are going to disagree with me on that. So it seems unlikely that's going to change anytime soon. Um, I, maybe, maybe I'm a naive idealist, but the, the, the last 20 years suggest probably not. They suggest that is quite core to a number of people. So you're absolutely welcome to disagree with me. You're welcome to say that, you know, that you think I'm an idiot and that we should sell, sell out more tomorrow. Um, but joining the trust is the best way to have a voice. And it is one of the things that makes this club unique. It's not the only thing that makes this club unique. Obviously, the thing that makes us uh, unique is, you know, having come two times out of non-league and attempted to do uh, an extraordinary journey twice, which most clubs haven't done once. So, you know, that that's what we're trying to do. Uh, but in any way, people want to get involved. You're not forced to join the trust. And to a certain extent, I kind of think if you don't want to join the trust because you don't really care, well, fine. If you really think we're doing a terrible job, you probably want to do something you might want to do something about it but if you if you're really not that fussed then fine um and to kind of come back to your your final point about where we're trying to get to with this as i said i, I think in terms of is there a civil war are we all falling out i don't, honestly don't think we are i mean based on the games i go to we seem to be falling out less than we have done in previous seasons frankly point one um, and point two if we are falling out i think it's partly because i think we're all slightly talking at cross purposes. Social media hasn't helped. Two years of a pandemic hasn't helped. But I think most people are, are aiming at the same thing, which is to say that, you know, that we, we want the, the club to be profitable. We're on course this year for, to be profitable for the first time in a couple of years, obviously, because of COVID and building the stadium. So we're going to turn operating profit this year. So the more the club continues to be successful, the more it, it can grow in what we're doing. And I think we can do that best by all working together. Oh, brilliant stuff. Charlie, uh, I'll just echo what Danny said. Thanks very much for taking the time to come out and speak to us regarding it. I uh, don't think we're all going to agree on everything, but that's what it's about, though. It's about having it's opinions. boring if we did, Lee. And, and it's, about, well, it's about having debates, and I think that's what's lost in life at the moment is a lot of people can't debate each other and have different views. Otherwise, you get shut down. But I, I do appreciate you coming on and having that with us. And, yeah, we'll, next we'll come back. And if you want to stay with us, we'll, we'll talk about Sunderland on Saturday. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. So we're back and we're going to be discussing the game on Saturday against Sunderland. Uh, I, for me, I think it's the best time to be playing Sunderland. 
they're in an awful uh, run of form at the moment. I spoke to uh, Graham Falk, Falk, his name is, from the, uh, what's his, from the Sunderland podcast uh, the other day, and they said that they, they he, he tipped us to win 3-1. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's... Come on here next week. Yeah, he's on holiday at the moment. I was going to get him on. But he, uh, yeah, they're tipping us to win 3-1. They're, they're in dire straits, and uh, they're not looking forward to the game. I think it's a brilliant time for us to play them. I just hope we uh, go two up front. Yeah. Is that is that a deal breaker? The, the two up front, do you think? To or do you feel like with Cos with, with Cosgrove in now and and almost that previous formation that that's going to do enough? Do you think? I'd like to see I'd like to see Grove and Grave both together. I really do. Well, it's the only way I can get remember them, mate. Grove and Grave. I'd like to see both of them play up. Yeah, play together. To be fair, big man, another one. I think he's our best finisher as well, Grave. I think he's our best finisher at the club. Uh, I'd, I'd have Assel on the bench. I know he's brilliant, but I'd have him on the bench to come on second half and get at him. But that's just me. That's my opinion. So what are you going for, Lee? Uh, I think there's going to be goals because Sunderland are leaking them, saying chronic. We we can, can see goals left, right and centre. Not being, I'd, I'd have Will and uh, Dan Soccer in. I'd take Ben Hennigan out as well. I thought Will was. I thought Will struggled Saturday, and I thought he struggled Tuesday. Bless him. I wonder whether he's having a bit of a hangover from the injury. You know. I just thought Ben struggled both games as well. I know he scored against Charlton, but I thought he struggled at the back. Uh, hopefully Lee Brown comes back in. Uh, but I think I think there'll be goals. I'm going to go either Desmond, or we're going yeah. to nick it three-two. I like it, Charlie. What are you thinking? I'm going to believe the Sunderland fan because it sounds slightly more relaxing to win three-one. <laughs> I'm going with that. I spoke to some of the fan on Twitter this week. He said, asked for my opinion as well. And it seemed like each of us were just saying, well, we're not on a great run at the moment. Um, so, no, I, I yeah, I, we, there's, def, there's definitely goals in it. And we are we are due, there's been a number of games as well where we've scored one and then not got the second when we really needed to. And you feel it could have came, killed the game off. So, yeah, let's uh, let, let, let's go with turning it around and, and 3-1. I don't think it matters, by the way, if we necessarily whether we play one up top or two up top, what matters is getting the other players close to whoever it is. Yeah. Because when we've got that right and the, and the other three in particular are, are buzzing around the one, that's that's when we've looked really good. I think we can all get a bit too hung up on what formation we play and less to do with how well everyone's linking together and the intent. You know, again, I think we spoke about this earlier, but the intent of being on the front foot and getting forward. When At the start of the season, that's what we were doing well. And at Wickham, that's what we did brilliantly. And, and for a variety of reasons, that's the bit that, that seems to have fallen away slightly. So if we get that back, we, we know we can give anyone a game in this division, apart from Rotherham. Yeah, twice. <laughs> Absolutely. I just always feel like when the team comes at us, I feel that with the spaces that we're, we're afforded in, you know, particularly a sour, I, don't, I still haven't seen as many players as good off the ball nicking, nicking the ball in attacking positions as a sour. He's so good at just hunting. He's like, you know, every time you mm. see him running, he's always good at hunting, nicking the ball. And I always feel he's actually much better pressing it than necessarily with the ball. Um, but I, I think he'll be good. If, if Sunderland are coming to win and they're, and they're, and they're trying to be on the front foot, then I, I think that will suit us down to the ground because I do think it suits us for teams to come at us and they create their pockets behind. Yeah, I, then I think, I think back and watch us play and, and do the opposite, then I, 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 I can't see us, I can't see us impacting the game as much. But I'd like to be optimistic and I, and... I'm desperate for a win, to be honest with you. I've not had a win since my little girl's been in the world. 
So I'm desperate for a 2-1. I think first goal is crucial. I think if Sunderland score first, we might kind of like go negative and capitulate. And yeah, I think that could be a worry of mine. If we score first, I think the same could said for Sunderland. I think they could then just, yeah. I, my worry is that they're bringing, I think they're going to sell out. I'm guessing they'll have a 1,000 to 1,400 fans down in, in Wimbledon and, and they'll be making a lot of noise. So hopefully we can uh, silence them and hopefully they won't smash up the place like they did when they come down to Sellers Park all them years ago. Didn't we relegate them one year? Yeah. That's that's when they smashed up yeah. the whole of Fort yeah. Eve. Um, pounds well. worth of damage. Don't hold, don't hold <laughs> it right, Chimley, eh? To be fair, if you're annoyed with Wimbledon, smashing up Thornton Heath is not a great piece of revenge, is it? <laughs> yeah, but they're going to be fuming that they've got to pay like £8 a pint in Ellsfield, so... When they're I was, well, going to be fuming that this is their fourth year down here and it looks, you know, at the moment they look odds on to have a fifth year down here, which none of them thought would happen, so... Yeah. Um, is there any chance of a Wombles documentary? We get to Sunderland till I die. Have we got Womble till I die in the... In the offing, Lee, you fair, I can imagine Ivor going, we need a louder uh, system. We need a louder, uh, yes, bring it up. And Ivor just... You on our iPhones, Lee, just walking around. Why not? I, it's a fan-owned club, let's do it. Ivor just going mental because the sound system's not loud enough and he wants <laughs> harder beats. Oh, that's so cringe, isn't it? That and Tim, Tim Hillier just sitting there nodding and going, yes, this is what we need. So cringe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced anyone comes out of those documentaries looking good, to be perfectly honest with you. The, the Man City one's only one, I think, but they won everything the year they recorded. So that's about it. The Spurs one ruined Jose. But yeah, anyway, boys, thanks very much. Charlie, again, pleasure to speak thanks, to you. Gentlemen. Thanks for coming Everyone on. Buy a bond. Danny. Buy a bond. You heard the man. It was a pleasure. Well, cheers, Charlie. Cheers, gents. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Get involved. By the fans, for the fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.